This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of thinking you needed really big, powerful guys around to get anything done, but it turns out you got the stuff all along. This week we are talking about Banes in Supernatural Games, especially Bureau 13, and we have a special guest of Nick Palmer with us. Yay. Hello. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick very graciously decided to join us at the last minute, and we are hopefully going to get a, a much different perspective from him since he doesn't uh, have our history with our games. But let's move on to what we're talking about, which are banes. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, a bane is any act, material, gesture, whatever that you may think of that has a deleterious effect on a supernatural creature that doesn't have that same effect on a normal creature. So as the examples would be, holy water burns vampires and demons, but doesn't hurt people. Silver, some creatures are burned by the touch of silver, like some of the fey creatures, uh, obviously uh, wolvesbane. And the effects that these things have vary greatly, depending upon what they are. Some will ward, as in you put it up and they, they, they go away. They can't even be around it. Some of them will just only stop them. They can't go beyond the barrier, or they have to do something in order to get past the barrier. Third, it could slow them, where they're literally just moving slowly, acting slowly, attacking slowly. Fourth, it could actually cause physical damage to them, and the, and the worst and most powerful ones, as far as an individual supernatural concern, is ones that destroy them outright. Now, the reason this is important is because even though there's been a kind of an upping of the power level in a lot of supernatural games, originally, especially if you go back to your, your movies and things like that, you normal, almost always had normal people up against the supernatural. You didn't have a team of people that included a, uh, a witch uh, or a, a magic user. You didn't have a psionicist. You didn't have another supernatural creature who was on your side you know, to back you up. You didn't have angels. <laughs> you didn't have pet demons. Uh, what you had were people who were knowledgeable about the supernatural and about mythology and lores and legends and things like that. So when they came up against a supernatural creature, they could deduce the things that would be harmful to that creature, or at the very least, that would repulse them and give them a chance to regroup, get some advantage on them. And this works in any supernatural game that you can think of. I mean, it, it doesn't matter whether you have games with these 
types of super-powered player characters, Banes are always still useful to have. So let's move on to the Medusa Sisters. Now, this is something straight from Bureau 13. Uh, it's on page 138 in the, in the D, D20 book, if you're curious. And Medusa's sisters. Triggered by heredity or by design, the sisters of Medusa manifest the curse of the Medusa in their mid-30s. Always an attractive woman, they take on the aspect of a Medusa and are able to charm or stone humans at will. This is a traumatic experience as the power manifests and often leads to suicide. For the, I guess for the person who has it. Rare individuals rejoice in this change and find ways to use it for evil. Being stoned by this form of Medusa requires a bite from the head of a snake and not a gaze. Oh. So you gotta get close enough for a kiss. This is referring to the Greek myth of Medusa. And there's a, a lot of different varieties of it, but I pretty much laid it out as best I could in the story Stone Killers is one of the supplements in, from Outpost Games for Bureau 13. And in that, Medusa was originally a lover of Poseidon. Poseidon is the uncle of Athena, the goddess. One day it was raining and they decided to take refuge in a nearby uh, disused temple. Didn't really pay attention to who's face or symbols were on the outside of it and decided to wow their afternoon away with lovemaking. Now, Athena is a chaste goddess, and she took umbrage at this and wanted to kill Medusa, but because of her relationship with Poseidon, she merely cursed her and her sisters into this horrific monster. Poseidon, in order to protect her, put her on an island with the seas completely surrounding it, so that no one could approach it by any means without him destroying them. Because in those days, nobody had the power of flight. Her sisters were made immortal. She was the only one who was mortal. And that's why Perseus was given the task of killing her, bringing her head back, because she was the only one that could be killed. And she had the power of just looking, turning people into stone, and her touch could probably also turn them into stone. These are people who have the ability to stone either by touch, gaze, or by biting of the snake, or even being poisoned by the snake. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the most common symbol that you find in, uh, in the Greek area was the symbol of the Medusa's head with the snakes jutting forward and the tongue sticking out between the tusks uh, or the, the, the fangs of the mouth of the Medusa, and it was this, supposed to ward off evil. And I think that would be a specific bane against a Medusa. That sounds about right. For protection of mirrors, or you want to go with polished bronze? Because that's actually what could be considered two different things. Glass was rare back then, and if you actually had enough glass to make a silvered mirror, which is the only way you could, you could do it, uh, I'm not sure that it would have the same properties as just highly polished brass. The, the, the mirror would be actually considered a magic item by itself, because if you actually had one back then. I don't know what you're talking about, John. And the effectiveness of protecting yourself from the gaze of Medusa, you know, do you use a mirror? Do you, can you use a camera? You know, wear, wear, wear night goggles and send for daylight. Because you're actually looking at an image of the Medusa rather than the actual Medusa. Or is it specifically a, a piece of polished bronze that works? It basically comes down to the fidelity of the image, I would say. 
if, if the image is perfect, like a really high-def camera, that might still be able to stone you. But if, in fact, you took the image and it was put into a computer system that then created uh, computer representations of the Medusa, you know, like uh, in a kind of a virtual reality, then you might be able to not be considered not actually seeing the Medusa in, in reality. But couldn't the original image still stone the computer you're using to make the image? No, no, I think it's only to people. Turn the camera into stone? No, I don't think so. I, I would say no because we again we have the the uh, the advantage of you know the, the example of of the shield. Now you could consider the shield to be a magic item in and of itself, but I don't think it actually is considered that way. It was just considered a very highly polished. The sword that he used actually did come from Athena. Aegis, no. Zeus's shield, it was considered basically in D&D would be an artifact. Are you sure that was uh, Zeus's shield? I think so. The one that Perseus used, I thought that was given. Yeah, I'm looking up right now to see if I can find something about this. Yeah. Now, some of the other interesting things about a Gorgon was is that if you take blood from the right side of a Gorgon, it could actually bring the dead back to life. And that was used in one of the legends. Also, if you get a lock of hair from the Medusa, it also has the same warding properties as using their visage against them. Therefore, that means that the serpents didn't completely replace all the hair. There were just serpents in her hair. She actually still had real hair. And so the uh, Harryhausen one where she's nothing but a, a lizard with, with snakes for hair doesn't doesn't actually play out doing uh, through the legends because the legends some of the legends at least said that she had hair. Of course, a lot of the legends said that she actually was a beautiful woman who, over time, regained some of her beauty, and that's what I did in the in the adventure of Stone Killers. It was modern day, and the the curse effects had almost entirely left her, but she still had the abilities of the Medusa. Uh, yes, Peter. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this or know this, but from, from Greek mythology, that's where the Pegasus actually came from. It came from the blood of the Medusa when he cut her head off. Okay. I'd forgotten that. She was pregnant with Pegasus and Chrysor, a golden sword-wielding giant. Both sprang from her body. They're twins. Hmm. Well, there was a lot of that in Greek. I mean, they, yeah. you smack Zeus in the head and you get uh, Athena just steps out. Anyways, the reason we're saying this is because under uh, the, the listing under Bureau 13 has uh, Medusa's sister's variable. So we're just kind of saying what would work. So knowing the history of her, knowing that, for example, that she was under the protection of Poseidon, you could say, all right, well, that's water. So therefore, something that works against water might also work against her. Or if you think that her nature is because of the curse from Athena, then uh, since Athena was a chase goddess, possibly something having to do with non-chastity might be effective. For example, uh, blood from a pregnant woman to be used as a bane. Possibly even some of those earth fertility goddesses look like pregnant women. That might also be possible as a bane. <laughs> this is one of those things where the, the GM is really going to have to help you a little bit. But I mean, you should think along these lines. Of say, what is her history? What do we know about? It? They're lizard-like, uh, you know, in some regards, because of the snakes. What are banes for snakes? 
a mongoose. Maybe she's vulnerable to being attacked by a mongoose. Is there anything else that attacks snakes besides mongoose? Birds. Which kind of birds? Uh, I would think uh, various predators, hawks, eagles. Okay. So maybe a weapon using eagle feathers or hawk feathers. Yeah, don't use eagle feathers. You'll get arrested, <laughs> at least in America. Uh, but hawk feathers are fair game. Well, only bald eagle feathers are, are illegal. Brown eagles are still legal. Just think about the various parts of their nature. They're snake-like. Uh, the stoning aspect. Uh, is there something that could be used as an anti-bane against stoning? This is where the character who took blind as a, as a disadvantage would come into their own. Well, unless, of course, the snake just bites them and then they're dead. But he can do something that the other ones really can't do. He can talk to her. I can, can you see it now? Yeah, send in the blind guy. Finally, he runs in and gets bit by the snake. And you're like, oh, well, so much for that idea. <laughs> no, no, but he can, he, can do something that, he can do something that all these other people couldn't have done with her, which is sit down and talk to her. Oh, she's not evil. She's just misunderstood. Yeah. She's just lonely. Maybe if he makes love to her, she'll let him go. And if you look at some of these, uh, at the description for some of the uh, Medusa sisters, some of them are suicidal. So having someone be able to sit down with you and have a discussion and talk you out of your suicide might help, at least doing something. I mean, that's one of, the be- that's one of our banes in the book is psychology. Okay. Talk her down, huh? Talk her down, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Now you're sitting there talking about things that are unchaste going after the chastity. I can see it now. You're sitting there playing like stripper music or something or something like this. <laughs> a love song or something. Just hit the, the recorder on your smartphone playing an MP3 or something like that. What if virgins were immune to her gaze? Hmm. She was cursed for, for having sex in a temple, you know, and you've got somebody who is chased, who has been chased. Maybe they're immune to it. See, wait until you're married is just such a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it won't protect them from her, I don't know, shooting them in the head with an arrow or something, but you know. But it might protect against the, sto- the stoning gaze. I see Blix's train of thought here. Where you know she, the the Medusa just be kind of like ah what it's like she's a virgin you know and then you know read up on your mythology and like oh okay and it'd be a good way where the Methu- Medusa would be just kind of like you know not wanting to get nearer just because it's that that whole antithesis thing. I'm sure that it was invoking the presence of the god that cursed her in the first place. She'd want to get next to her, but she couldn't because of, she'd be acting as a bane against her. And again, banes have variable effects. I mean, if you just go by the, the folklore stuff, then it may be pretty st- uh, straightforward as to what they do. But if you go by the chart in Bureau 13, the effect varies greatly. It wards them off completely. It could stop them, keep them from approaching. It could slow them so they can't move as effectively. It could cause physical damage to them, or it could uh, destroy them outright. I could see also if you could get a just show the symbol of Athena would probably get it under a Medusa's well skin. Yeah, it could get under your skin the wrong way, but yeah, the, yeah, it might tease her off, but it might also repel her because she's like, oh, that's the goddess that did this to me, and just back off, you know, like right. I mean, she was weak to her once. Why wouldn't she be weak to her again? Yeah, exactly. Or show her images of Poseidon. 
You know, because depending on the story, she the, the, she was either a willing participant or she was an unwilling participant. Well, all the stories I saw, it was willing, but uh, okay. There's many, many tellings. Yes. Well, and also the gods were, the gods had a tendency to just kind of have their way. Yeah. That's kind of the way things were back then when it came to manly men's. Yeah. Now, interesting enough, there's a thought that crossed my mind because I was reading through the reading through the description and some of the, and the things that uh, Perseus was carrying, and he had Hades' helmet invisibility. I'm thinking, okay, if you're invisible, she can't look at you. That is true. Yeah. Assuming, of course, that you had to have eye con, you had to have eye contact. If it's just looking at her is enough to trigger it, because that's what happened at the end. They pulled her head out of the bag, and everybody who saw her got stoned. So in this particular case, I don't think that would have helped. Hey, man. Stone, man. (laughs) The deuce isn't so bad. Let's get stoned. Tritech Games does not endorse the use of drugs for recreational purposes. No, and except in the states of Washington and Colorado. <laughs> hey, hey, Cheech, what do you think of this Medusa? I don't know, man. She's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, All right, let's move on to Evil Ghosts. Oh yeah, I, 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 the first ghost I think of when I think of Evil Ghosts is a Chinese ghost story. That's an evil ghost. It definitely is. But also, there's a whole supplement on ghosts. That's provided by TriTag Games called Haunts. It's part of a collection. Anybody would do themselves a big favor, I think, by get, going and getting that. And it basically breaks them down pretty well and gives a lot of ideas on how to, to run a haunting and how to create various banes and situations where ghosts might be in effect. So let's see here. I have as a listing uh, as banes for uh, evil ghosts, holy person, ritual, and love. When it comes to ghosts, it pretty much comes down to, at least especially evil ghosts. Yeah, the holy person is is your is your usually the person that protects you, and it's usually they're evil because of unrequited love, you know, or, or jealousy, and they and they died died you know uh, betrayed by the person they love, and that's what made them evil. You, you don't think just straight out vengeance isn't a good reason? No, vengeance is good too, but it's usually it's it's it, the, the the worst of them are are basically are jealous of the, uh, you know they were jilted at the altar, and they basically found out that their groom to be or husband or wife to be was with someone else at the time, or they were killed by said wife or husband. Hell hath no fury as a woman scorned is a good old saying. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I hate to say this, but when it comes to Chinese ghosts, when it comes to like Chinese, evil Chinese ghosts, they're mostly women, and they all pretty much all of them been, have been, you know, brutalized by the, by former lover lovers. So yeah, it's never a good thing. Well, when you come from a culture where women are chattel, that does make sense that you'd have a predominance of spirits who feel like they hadn't been gotten a square deal when they were in the, the life. The holy person, in most cases in Western culture, of course, is going to be a priest of some kind. And there's two major things that they can do against evil ghosts. One is they can perform a ritual, um, a kind of a quieting ritual by doing a burial ritual of some kind. It will actually cause the, the ghosts to become quiet. They won't be able to manifest for a certain period of time. But if that ghost 
hasn't had whatever its unfinished business taken care of, or you know, in, in the in the case of supernatural, its bones burned, or something that would remove it from the area in which it's in, then it's going to come back. It's just a temporary measure. If you can find their bones and lay them to rest, you can take care of them that way. Now, sometimes it doesn't work because they're already buried, properly buried, and they're still there. Well, it may also be the fact that their their unfinished business is is so strong that they're not going to be at rest until their unfinished business is taken care of. In this case, for D20, your knowledge history, research, maybe gather information skills would come into play to find out about this person and, okay, what happened to them in life? What happened to where, why they'd still be around? You would see this ghost and go, okay, because ghosts are usually nine times out of ten linked to a physical location, like a house or something. Okay, then you research the house. Oh, there was a murder here 30 years ago. Okay, well, it was due to a jealous lover or whatever. So you would go about the way whatever ritual or whatever act to let that ghost pass on to the next next realm. So that's where those skills would come into play, where you could do it in a quieting ritual, as you called it. And the second thing that uh, a holy person, like a priest, can do is what's called a cleansing ritual, where they can go through the, the house room by room, cleansing it. This could get rid of a weak spirit haunting, where it just basically needs to be cast out. But the second thing that it can do is, is that a lot of supernatural creatures rely upon the ambient supernatural energy of the area. A place where a great deal of suffering has taken place over a, a long period of time, a place where magic was, was performed, a place where uh, spiritual acts took place, you know, anything like that can build up magic to the point where it becomes a battery for the supernatural to use in manifesting its powers. And so by going through a, a building and such and doing a cleansing ritual, you can eliminate all that and basically make the ghost if not get rid of it, make them unable to actually manifest, and it's as if they're not there anymore. You had mentioned a cleansing ritual. In the Kung Fu class that I used to take, God, six, seven years ago now, our teacher's teacher would come up from Houston, and so we had a friend of ours, a massage therapist, and you know she did energy and Reiki and all this. She would burn sage and spread, and I think it was African sage, and I forget where she got the holy water from, but basically went around the walls of the Kwun, uh, the, the dojo or uh, the studio, and just cast that all about, you know. So that could be a way of a cleansing ritual, holy water and the smoke from the sage and everything to get the mojo going, so to speak. Right. There's a lot of rituals that you can use. Filling an area full of incense that has been blessed or is of a material that is considered holy of some kind, you know, like uh, gopher wood, which was, which was possibly one of the, the materials used for the cross. Dogwood is another one I've heard. But anything that uh, a church would provide, even incense from a church, that you could then burn as part of a ritual, a normal person, not necessarily a, a priest— but uh, that might also quiet a spirit or at least keep it at bay from the room in which you're in if you have to hold up someplace while it's rampaging through the rest of the house. 
I did run an adventure uh, one time where it wasn't the house the spirit was tied to. It was tied to a, a physical object, a doll that used to belong to her child who died of, uh, of the flu. So there's a lot of intense emotional impact on that doll from the woman. And she pretty much killed herself in front of the doll. And yeah, it's pretty much her soul was transferred into the doll. And that was the battery. So cleansing the house wouldn't have done a dang thing for her for her ghost. You had to find the doll to take get her out of there. Uh-huh. I liked the, the movie The Curse, which I thought was pretty sweet. I, I mean, like, scary. Like, that's one of the few, like, horror movies that actually... Uh, put a chill in me and you know the basic premise behind that was that uh, the house was cursed right but once you left the house like if you entered it you became cursed and you couldn't get away from it it's not you know I escaped the house great (laughs) you're taking it with you because you've been cursed now and that that was just creepy as all get out because it's like what defense do you have against that this thing is literally with you all the time. Well, that's where you'd want a cleansing ritual to, to get the thing off of you or something. Or an exorcism or something right, like that. Right, right. Yeah. Though finding the remains is usually the best way. I, I, I'm actually reminded of an old Abbott and Costello movie. Oh, God. Where, no, with Costello and an actress were two revolutionary people who died, and their bones were in the bottom of a well. And they needed their bones to be extracted and buried properly for them to go, you know, go on to the rewards. I remember that. And they used to sit on like a tree limb, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was a good movie. Yeah. So sometimes it's, and they were pretty much, they were, they, they, they were stuck to a certain area, but it was a very large area. They weren't stuck, like stuck in a house. A lot of ghosts would be stuck in the building that they died in. And that means it, you could move a ghost out if you took a piece of the house with you. But yeah, a lot of ghosts are stuck to the building or the place they died in, and that's where you really need to do the the best, the most intense cleansing. Then, if you die in a certain room, that should be the last place you stop at, and cleanse that room the hardest, just to make sure that they're you know at least put down, or at least you know made to sleep for a while. Hmm. Hey, Bruce. Yes, sir. In that adventure we played, I don't want to give it away in case you run out of convention or anything like that, but there was an adventure we played that had a ghost in it, um, and that ghost was in the building still. Uh-huh. And he was being held back with wards or something like that, was it? Okay, yeah, he was in a, a, a hidden part of the house. Right. Yeah. So what was your question? Uh, he was being held in that room, right? He was specifically had put barriers up to keep his spirit. Oh, right. He was keeping himself. Because he knew that his reward was to go to hell. And he didn't want to go. Right. Right. I just typed something because that sounds like a plot to a certain movie. It's not that particular movie. But there was a place in that movie where the device that they had brought with them that was supposed to get rid of the supernatural in the house wasn't working because it was sealed off. In a sense, it does have that idea that there might be a a location in the house that acted like a battery that somehow empowered the supernatural. And so by getting rid of it. But that doesn't have anything to do with Bane. The last thing we have here on on Evil Ghost kind of goes back to what uh, you and Trav were talking about, which is that most ghosts are evil because they feel they've been wronged. And the most hurtful 
form of of wronging is wronging the heart, as in you know someone whose heart has been betrayed or they've they've had unrequited love, but especially if their heart has been betrayed. So one of the the banes is love. Can you guys think of any way that you could use love as a bane? I mean, that sounds like getting into a relationship, you know, with the ghost. I, I hate to say this. This is be, it would be the adult version, be the adult one where you actually actually go to bed with the ghost. Oh, uh, a la spirits. Yeah, I was actually thinking of something else, which is is that a lot of times good relationships go bad. Okay, and what started off, you know, with with real pure and exciting love turns into something, and festers and then one spouse decides to off the other spouse. Okay, and then you end up with a ghost. So if you could, for example, get your hands on uh, one of the spouse's uh, diaries from early on in the relationship and to open it up and start reading passages of love and, and poetry, love poetry that had been written for the ghost in its earthly form, this might very well act as a, a specific bane against that particular spirit. But also love saunas in general, all the things that the evil spirit doesn't want to do or doesn't want to be part of. Anything that is its antithesis is what you'd be thinking of as far as that was concerned. And I think the evil ghost, you know, it's full of rage, it's full of anger, it's full of hate. So you come at it with symbols of love, symbols of compassion, symbols of understanding, and, and acts of it that could make a big difference. If the ghost is not too old, you could potentially find the, the, the one who did the jilting, if he's still alive, or, or she's still alive, and bring him there. And, and make a confession? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that could be very bad for that person, though. It could be, yeah. I mean, I, I did run a haunting where what happened to the person at the end was entirely justified. <laughs> One group, they, what they did to the guy at the end was entirely justified. <laughs> oh, with the ghost. Because the go- they, they sided with the ghost and not with the guy. <laughs> See, I'll quote Highlander here. He says, there is no justice, but there is mercy. Don't seek justice, seek mercy. And, of course, you know, if that doesn't work, you get out the Mark II spook, spook Smasher and uh, zap it up with the uh, proton beams and suck it up off the carpet, right? Yeah, except that it may not work for some ghosts. Some ghosts it may be entirely tied to that building to the point where you try to walk out the door, whoonk, and you stop dead. The, 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 the containment won't go out the door. <laughs> the reason that the Spook Smasher works is the idea is that ghosts are made out of ectoplasm and, and they are, in a sense, a, a very rarefied set of molecules, or at least they, they attract molecules to them. And so, therefore, if you hit uh, them with a uh, high-powered uh, either positive energy discharge or negative energy discharge, it'll polarize the atoms or uh, molecules that are attached to the ectoplasm that will either get attracted to the carpet or to the walls or something like that. And then you can take containment unit, which looks like an upright vacuum cleaner, and you can suck those atoms, those those ions, and the ghost into a containment unit and take it away. Unless, of course, as John says, it just won't leave, in which case you get to the front door and you go bang, bang, and nothing can't, 
leave it. But at least it's contained inside the vice, the, the containment unit, uh, for the time being. Yeah, until the battery runs out. Well, that shouldn't be a problem, you know. We're mod- we live in modern times. And the RV has a big old battery, and you can run some cables from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chief Seattle is uh, he's, he's doomed to wander the street of Seattle as long as there's a city named Seattle. There's no way to lay him to rest. Luckily, he's, he's more or less resigned to his uh, fate, and he just complains a lot. Oh, yeah. So he's like Marvin. Yeah, yeah until, there's, until there's no place called Seattle, he's doomed to wander the earth. Or at least wander Seattle. It's a nice day. What's so nice about it? <laughs> I do not like this. They have canceled my favorite soap opera. Oh, I don't know I like it. <laughs> I got stuck watching Honey Boo Boo. I can't change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be torture. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got one more bane for ghosts. I don't know how common this is. I, it may just be like a and d thing, but cold iron is supposed to affect ghosts as well in some belief systems. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, it's anything having to do with spiritual energy that's a negative type, you might as well use everything in your book. I mean, crosses, holy water, incense, cold iron, crush up some uh, cult of host in the Catholic Church and, and throw it at the at the ghost, and maybe that'll cause it to disrupt. Wait, wait. Uh, here's a, a Wikipedia thing, iron in folklore, and uh, cold iron. So, so check these out. Nailing an iron horseshoe to a door was said to repel evil spirits, or later to bring good luck. So originally, that was to repel evil spirits. Surrounding a cemetery with an iron fence was thought to contain the souls of the dead. Burying an iron knife under the entrance to one's home was alleged to keep witches from entering. Interesting. Some more things, more fun things you can do with cold iron. (laughs) Well, actually, one thought about remains, if you can prove to the ghosts that they're dead, because sometimes the ghosts may not know they're dead. I think, dude, you're dead. What do you mean? Look at this. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> well, kind of like Sean Knight in the uh, Mage comic book by uh, Kevin Wagner. He just kept going along his job because he didn't realize he was dead. Once Kevin Matchstick and um, Mirth let him know he was dead. It didn't dissipate him, but he realized, wait, I can do all this stuff. And so he became a bit more of an ally to Kevin and Mirth on, you know, going up against the Red Caps. If you've read the comic series Mage, it came out in like the early 90s. It says here that cold iron is sometimes asserted to repel, contain, or harm ghosts, fairies, witches, and or malevolent, malevolent, Sorry, malevolent supernatural creatures. Right. Anything that's malevolent supernatural, cold iron seems to be fairly effective against. Right. And evil ghosts are malevolent. So any anything that works against malevolent supernatural that we've talked about already, salt, priests, you know, cold iron, possibly silver. True name might actually work because the you may not know who the ghost is, and by by naming it, that might actually shock them, you know. Because someone said their name. I know you, Alexander Poindexter Smith Barney. <laughs> and you know what? It would make sense with, with iron because if you think about a lot of this folklore, a lot of these, these beliefs come out of a time, you know, when iron was, was kind of a secret. 
strategic metal. Right. It was it was this like cool stuff, this cool new tech, you know, around the time that a lot of these legends were being formed into what we know them as today. It was certainly hard to work uh, compared to things like copper. It required a furnace, you know, required, I mean, not just a fire. I mean, it required a, a coal-powered furnace. Um, they could do it with charcoal. If you were going to work iron, you really needed the, you needed coal and you needed it in a furnace. Mining coal like that didn't come about until about the Iron Age. I mean, they would pick it up off the ground, but actually mining coal where you could get large amounts of it. But I really like it from a role player standpoint was, um, was 13 Ghosts. And in that, he held the ghosts at bay with symbols written on these glass walls. Oh, the remake. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, the remake with Tony Shalhoub. That was totally cool. It's it's also very Cthulian. So go for it, buddies. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, I mean, from a role player standpoint, you're going to be like, well, I can use all this stuff in my adventure. That's a great Bureau 13 movie. Actually worthwhile to go and get the thing on disc. They go through all the different ghosts that were there in the house. They talk about their backstory, all the issues about filming them, and the actors who played them. And I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen the movie, but there's a whole concept to those 13 ghosts. Like why there are 13 and what they represent. So that's pretty cool. When I first started to go see it, it seemed like a really cheesy movie. And I wasn't expecting much. And I was frankly very impressed by it by the end. Actually, that's what it makes me think about saying there's another way to get a ghost. Someone captures their soul as they die and prevents them from going on. Oh, that's a pissed off ghost. Oh, yeah. They stole the soul because they were a very virtuous person. You know, almost guaranteed to go up to heaven. And they grab the soul and they're using it for nefarious ends. They basically, you know, twist it and turn it into an evil thing. That's a case where psychology, again, may work where you can basically talk the ghost down and get them back to the original virtuous self. So they actually realize, oh, I see the light. Bye. Or maybe make them realize who they really are. That's where that true name kind of concept comes in. You're not really Bane, you know, Lord of the Underworld. You're really John Silver, father and a husband to Mary Jane, who died and was laid to rest with many loved ones who are waiting for him in heaven. And he's like, I've got a place I could go. I'm not just trapped here for the rest of time. And off he goes. <laughs> Could be Go it. to the light. Go to the light. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at Poltergeist, I mean, it literally was you know a graveyard on top of an Indian burial mound, and they built a house on top of it. That's just bad all around. I mean, you know, they they were lucky they didn't have had Satan come popping up in the middle of the house at that point. <laughs> I don't think there would there would have been room for him. Yeah, it was a pretty busy spot. Yeah, voodoo. Uh, any good movies for that? I already mentioned Skeleton Key. Anybody's got some other ones? Serpent in the Rainbow. Yeah, I was going to mention that one. That's one with Lisa. Bill Pullman, yeah. That's a good one. Also, if you go way back in time, I was a white zombie. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Must be where the name came from. It's the original Taken Zombie. This is not the brain eating zombie. This is more of the shambling, I'm a worker zombie, but I also, I also can beat you up, too. <laughs> It's where they all the actors playing zombies had their eye had their eyeballs painted on their eyelids so they could be. They always literally had their eyes open. 
<laughs> My mom did that one night on a date to freak a guy out. I'm not kidding. That would work. She was a nut. Yeah. Okay, Leprechauns. Uh, I don't know anything about the Leprechaun movies, so I don't know if they're any good or not. I think they've been. I think they're probably pretty bad. When they have Leprechaun four or five, you can you know they're bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, wait, I hate hey, to say it, Darby O'Gill. I hate to say that's an example of a good Leprechaun, but still, he's still you still get in a lot of trouble in Darby O'Gill. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Finian's Rainbow had a whole thing about their. Uh, one of the characters was a leprechaun trying to find his his thing of gold. But as far as a good story on leprechauns, I I really can't think of any. No, neither can I. Sorry. Honestly, because and the, and you probably it's probably going to be very difficult to find anything because the modern belief system on leprechauns, the the common you know the the common modern folklore of them has really kind of nerfed them and yeah they're very cutesy cutesy these days it's it's hard to do anything with that you know like if you were to make one if you were to make a a leprechaun movie and you were to make it true to you know like the legends and stuff i don't think it would go over well i don't think you're gonna get a director to do a movie like that he's not wearing green i I see i probably wouldn't do it either because i mean i'm just thinking about it like who's gonna watch it who's really gonna like this they're not gonna get it they're gonna think that you know i've done something stupid i would say try and find maybe a a genie type movie or rumpelstiltskin there you go yeah rumpelstiltskin technically would i would say yeah he's sort of a leprechaun ish ish he's more he's more he's more uh, what the middle middle european if you're going to use leprechauns, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Tritech probably doesn't have a whole lot of stuff on leprechauns, right? Am, am I assuming that correctly? Yeah, I don't recall a lot, anything much about leprechauns. So I'm going to talk about another gaming product then, because I'd always like to push Tritech first. But, but, you know, barring the fact that Tritech hasn't been a whole lot of time covering that, I would get White Wolf's book on on the Fey where they talk about like Changeling even where they talk about red caps and they they get into how the the fairies work cuz that's I give you a good concept cuz I mean if your adventure is about chasing him down for his pot of gold you know and getting wishes from him you're really kind of missing the point about like the the supernatural typical you know like your, your classic leprechaun you want uh you know kind of like a a crazy sort of um, a crazy like elf fairy. No, I shouldn't say elf because then you go to Tolkien, but a crazy fairy who feels superior to you and is going to treat you like dirt. Um, so your adventure is going to have to be something where like you need something from him, so you have to appease him in some way or something. Um, you know, and, and of course the party might take the alternative. Well, we'll just make him do it. Uh, you know, so something along those lines, I think. Oh, yeah. I can just hear the uh, Leprechaun crying. Lord, please don't take my gold. It's, I've had it for a thousand years. Oh, <laughs> That's where I like hand my character sheet and I'm done. I'm not playing. Think about all the wee old ladies whose, whose money is, investments are going to be worth nothing when you flood the market with it. <laughs> oh, God. Who are the ones, Trav? Who's the guys that are controlling the gems in Bureau 13? Is it the gnomes? I think it's the Carstair Wade family. They have diamonds, I think, yeah. You know, I figured they'd be interested in a huge amount of gold also being dumped onto the market. So all of a sudden, you're like, you know, they, they show up because <laughs> they're trying to find the, the, gold, the, the pot of gold first or whatever, you know. 
I think the cabal might have a have a, a stake in that too. Yeah, all of a sudden you got all you got a bunch of people, various groups and suits all banging on your door. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, moving on to the Gorgon sisters. As far as I can tell, the uh, the best movie about Gorgons was done in 1964. It was a Hammer film called The Gorgon. It starred Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, Barbara Shelley, Patrick Troughton of, of, of Doctor Who fame. It's considered to be a good film. It's got like four stars on, uh, uh, or three and a half stars on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a pretty good rating. Can't discount the classic, you know. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Yeah, with the Harry Hausen Medusa, sure. And we're, t- and we're talking the original Clash of the Titans, not that thing that came out a few years ago. No. As Perseus and Sir Lawrence Olivier as Zeus. Right. Yes. Right. The good one. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I haven't found anything for stoning uh, as far as anybody being turned to stone in, in general. But that's all I could find as far as uh, just looking quickly for, for films that might be of, of inspiration for, for how to play a Gorgon or uh, something a little bit more interesting than just the monster that pops up and tries to stone everything. And then let's say the last one was Evil Ghost. Now, there are a ton of Evil Ghost films. What's your favorite? Oh, Chinese Ghost Story. Chinese Ghost Story. And uh, can you tell what it is in a nutshell? A young man lost his uh, lost his lover. It's sort of a Jenny's take on, uh, what was that one Greek story about the guy who gets his girl out of Hades? Perspinae? Persephone, yes. It's sort of a Chinese retelling of Persephone of, of that story, though it has a happy ending instead of the ending the, the Greek version had. <laughs> Wait a minute. Chinese had a happy ending? Yes, it did. Wow, that's that's a shocker. Right. They like a tragedy. They love a tragedy as much as the Greeks do. It was a tragedy because, well, like like the, the Greek version, he couldn't he couldn't stay with his love, but he was able to save her. Ah, okay. Trav, do, do you have a favorite uh, evil ghost movie? Ghost. Hmm. And I'm blanking on the one that I saw. I'm sorry. I just it was there and just gone. All right, uh, Peter. <sighs> well, I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, Thirteen Ghosts. I think that's an awesome, awesome ghost movie. Um, from a from a role playing standpoint, now, uh, one of my favorite ghost movies, though, and I don't I don't want to play in this adventure at all. Was uh, <laughs> The Grudge. My absolute favorite ghost story movie is The Haunting of Hell House. Uh, and I haven't seen the remake of it, so I don't know how it st- stands up, but I'm talking about the original one. Oh, the black and white one? No, it was in color. It was in very much in color. You made me think of The Haunting, John. But anyways, this is the one with uh, Roddy McDowell. Ah, there we go. It was very atmospheric. It had all kinds of ghosts. It had all mysteries to be uncovered. Lots of things were happening to people. The uh, novel itself, which I think was by Richard Matheson, very spooky story. That's my favorite. There's uh, lots of other you know, evil ghost stories, of course. Uh, we already mentioned Poltergeist. Poltergeist 1 and 2 are, are pretty much the, the, uh, the, the top of it. And after that... It did like three and four, and I think it kind of really went down from there. But I've seen them all. Hey, I, I got another one I want to mention, and, and this is going to step out of the Bureau 13 lane. This is for something like Incursion. Could Maybe could be Fringeworthy, uh, but, but I'm thinking like Incursion or FTL. 
and it's a book, and it's not a very thick book. It's like it's like a thick novella, not quite a full novel, but it's by a guy named Phil Rossi, and it's called Crescent. It's a great book. Uh, you can listen to it free as an audio podcast, uh, or you can buy the book. But it it is an awesome, really, really awesome ghost story set in uh, on a space station, and it just it's fantastic. I I, I honestly. One of my favorite books in the last 10 years. Seeing Incursion does take place in the B-13 universe. We didn't even touch on alien ghosts. <laughs> this is a good one. I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. The podcast is done with all like music and uh, sound effects and stuff. It's, it's top-notch. The funnest cheesy one I've ever seen, I think, is Terror at 40,000 Feet which is where they were transporting some artifacts from Africa or someplace, and the spirits just start manifesting while they're on the plane. And smoke is coming up through the floor, and people start to get possessed, and all kinds of crazy stuff started happening. Oh, that's the one with the, in the 747? Yes! Oh, God, I remember that one! I, I told you, it's, 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 it's cheesy, but, but it's really fun. Does anybody in the movie go, uh, get these mother ghosts off this plane? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, actually, if you would, if it took my cheesiest, it's the one. Oh, you're talking about the Frighteners? Yes, oh, the Frighteners. I, I, that was pretty talk, good. Yeah. I still, it's still cheesy, though. It was, it was. And it had a very surprising end to it. Mm-hmm. Hey, what about Ghosts of Mars? We're talking good movie, good cheesy movies. I thought it was good cheesy. No, no, I thought that was good cheesy. My wife actually really likes that movie. And because they call it Ghosts of Mars, you kind of have to go with it. Though I, I always kind of wondered whether it was more of a possession movie. Yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, they could have been demons. But yeah, I mean, yeah, where they where they, they open the mine and all of a sudden something comes out and, and all of a sudden people start acting weirder and weirder and weirder. My understanding of that, Bruce, was that uh, I think – I don't know for sure, but I think the premise of that movie was is that Mars had been inhabited. And when the planet basically – when all when, – when the, the people on Mars died, their ghosts went into the planet. That was my understanding. It essentially qualifies as a ghost story. They're, they're basically inhabiting the living and re- recreating their, their very you know, twisted society. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a little bit. To be – there's some there's some serious scarification going to on. To be honest, I think Waters of Mars and Doctor Who did a better version. Okay. Okay. Well, I I, I haven't actually seen that. I don't think anything over there, Trav. Uh, totally gone dry, huh? Yeah, and it's bad. The only ghost movie that's come to mind is Ghostbusters and the various things in that. That's it. <laughs> the Ghostbusters yeah. is cool. Dude, Ghostbusters rocks. Are you kidding me? Actually, let's be honest. The second, I think the second movie was a bit better than the first movie. Well, it was certainly more about ghosts versus, you know, giant gods showing up. Yeah. In fact, it does show that ghosts can possess people. Well, I mean, look, come on. Ghostbusters is Bureau 13. You kidding me? Yeah, really. Uh, and But you're right, John. I mean, uh, ghosts in, um, possessing people is, is in a lot of things. Now, I don't know if it's cheesy or not, but as far as that, that's concerned... Probably one of the best things along that lines was Spirits. I don't think I've seen With that. With Peter O'Toole and uh, Daryl Hannah and Steve Gutenberg. And I think it even had Liam Nielsen in it. Great cast, funny, 
all about Scottish spirits at a castle. It's a, a romantic comedy, so it's, it's not a horror film. <laughs> Is that the one where the uh, the one ghost, uh, there's to a male, uh, a woman and a man ghost, and the, and the woman was killed by the man because he was jealous? Yes. Okay, I've seen that. All right, yeah. Every night she dies again. Right, yeah, okay, I've seen that. That's a pretty good movie. Yeah, okay, there's one more ch- cheesy ghost I'd like. Topper. You know, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've seen the movie and the TV series. It, it was based on the movie. I'm waiting for John to bust out the ghost of Mrs. Muir. Come on. I, I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I actually, no, I tell you, I did not remember that one until you mentioned it. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. That was definitely right. a different take on, on, on the afterlife. All right. Let's wrap this baby up. I think so. All right. So hopefully somewhere along the lines, before we beat it out of you, you got the idea that this would be really great to use Banes a lot more in your game. And we've given you the tools that will actually allow you to figure out what Banes uh, a supernatural creature would have so that you know, you're not relying totally upon the whim of the GM, that you can actually go and deduce some of these things and you know, come up with some, some radical out-of-the-box ideas that could really make your adventure a really cool and awesome one. So we hope this has helped. We'd love to hear how you use these things in your games, especially to empower the, the people who aren't the supernatural. Because I think that normal human beings get short shrift in a lot of these games that are out there that involve the supernatural. And I'd like to see your average Joe or even your Delta Force guy get some, you know, some stuff that could actually make them successful. So certainly it'd be useful to use more in your supernatural role-playing game or in your uh, chill game, or especially your Bureau 13 game, or any of the other ones, uh, was it Beyond the Supernatural from yes. Palladium? Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you're an old school gamer and you, and you want to play things the way they used to be, Banes have always been in Bureau 13. That goes back to the 80s. So we feel free to use them with impunity and vigor. And we're going to have uh, some more ideas to, to basically bring back the, the, the fun that it used to to be back in the day, or just something new and different, but you're going to have to wait for it to happen, and that's going to be next week. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.